welcome back to Watched Once Never Again, the podcast where we uh, traumatize ourselves so that you don't have to. I'm Dax. I'm Mary Beth. And today, <laughs> please get ready. She's going to yell. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to yell. <laughs> She's going to yell. It's me, Mary Beth. I'm going to yell about you this do- movie. Today, we are continuing on our Lars von Trier train. And today, we are talking about his 2009 film, Antichrist. So we are jumping from his Golden Hearts trilogy to his Depression trilogy or Depression Era trilogy, Depression Era trilogy, um, which starts in the late, um, the late aughts. So we're jumping ahead in time for this guy, leaving behind like Dogville and Manderley for this. Yes. And for the record, I wanted to cover Dogville, which I have never seen, but his movies are too long. <laughs> Yeah, this one was like surprisingly like a, not even two. It's 108 minutes. It's not even two hours. It's incredible. It took me like seven sessions like <laughs> to get through. Um, so we can talk about that. Oh, wow. <laughs> it took me so much. Just a prolonged, drawn out process to finish this movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, do we have any context for his depression trilogy? Like what was going on in his life at this time? This is the first of the Depression trilogy, right? You just said that? Yes. Hold on. Let me... Yes, because it was it was this, then Melancholia, and then Nymphomaniac. So this came out 2009. Melancholia was 2011, which is our next episode. And then Nymphomaniac, both volumes were 2013. So I was doing um, some research last night on Antichrist because um, we'll get into, like, We'll get into my past with this movie, but I had a lot of, like, you know, curiosity about Von Trier's attitude about this movie and kind of, like, where it came from. He – I was reading a review with from The Guardian. It was not a review. It was an interview with The Guardian. And he said, according to Von Trier, he, Von Trier wrote Antichrist on his sickbed while battling an epic bout of depression and conceived a tale as a form of catharsis. Small wonder, then, that the finished product is so torrid and unrefined, frequently preposterous and on the brink of outright meltdown – Great. So that's obviously some editorializing on the writer's part, but this was written when Von Trier himself was experiencing an extreme period of depression, which I think is important context to have here, especially because, as you'll see with the Antichrist, it has a lot to do with depression and also with the um, with with therapy and the experiences of therapy. So he was a sad motherfucker. Is basically the, my professional opinion of this whole thing. The direct quote from Von Trier about this movie, uh, there was no pleasure in doing this film. I made myself write 10 pages of script every day. The only way to get out of bed was to make this decision and to stick to it. When it came to filming, I was not mentally capable to hold the camera and shoot. I was helpless like an old man in a wheelchair. It was humiliating. It was a humiliating way to work. So it's <laughs> fascinating because like, look, I have fucking been there with depression. And so I think it is important context to have this is his experience. And I will be talking a lot about this, actually, because I have a lot of thoughts about, like, his connection to some of his characters in this movie. But I also don't feel like it's a reason for some of the things that happen in this movie. (laughs) Like, a lot of the things I were reading were trying to be like, wow, he was really depressed, so he knows. I'm like, just because you were depressed doesn't mean, like, you wrote a good movie. Like, let's – (sighs) let – Jesus Christ. Depression doesn't make you hate women. No, depression doesn't make you hate women. Depression, like... Not a side effect. Like, look, 
I, it's great. I, I'm glad that he depicted his, his struggle with his depression because some parts of it are like, okay, cool. Like, I can kind of see – oh, I'm getting into, like, all of these things that I'm, like, realizing about this movie. I want to – let me read the synopsis first because it's going to, like – it's getting all entangled with, like, my past with this movie and, like, how I've yeah. come to revisit it and how my opinions have, like – morphed a little bit that I think is really fascinating to me because I couldn't stop thinking about this last night. Uh, fuck. Why? Of course I couldn't stop thinking. <laughs> Damn it. But let me just read the synopsis real quick because then I can like get into all my really weird intricate thoughts about this movie. An unnamed couple has sex in their Seattle apartment while their toddler son Nick climbs up to the bedroom window and falls to his death. The mother collapses at the funeral and spends the next month in the hospital crippled with atypical grief. Fuck you. The father, a therapist, played by Willem Dafoe, is skeptical of the psychiatric care she is receiving and takes it upon himself to treat her personally with psychotherapy. A great ethical choice, of course. Uh, She, played by Charlotte Gainsbourg, reveals that her second greatest fear is nature, prompting him to try exposure therapy. They hike to their isolated cabin in a wood called Eden, where she spent her time with Nick the previous summer while writing a thesis criticizing gynocide. During the hike, he he encounters a doe that shows no fear of him and has a stillborn fawn hanging halfway out of her. This is just so fucking hilarious, reading this. Like, it just sounds ridiculous. Um, During sessions of therapy, the woman becomes increasingly grief-stricken and manic, often demanding forceful sex. The area becomes increasingly sinister to the man. Acorns rapidly pelt the metal roof. He wakes up with the hand covered in swollen ticks and finds a self-disemboweling red fox that tells him, Chaos reigns. In the dark attic... Thank you so much. (laughs) In the dark attic, the man finds the woman's thesis studies, which includes violent portrayals of witch hunts and a scrapbook in... (laughs) Scrapbook? Fuck you. In which her writing becomes increasingly frantic and illegible. She reveals that while writing, she came to believe that all women are inherently evil. The man reprimands her for this, and in a frenzied moment, they have violent intercourse at the base of an ominous dead tree where bodies are intertwined with the exposed roots. He suspects that Satan is her greatest hidden fear. (laughs) I would love to talk about this stupid fear chart. I have so, oh my god, I have like a section of my notes about the fear chart. I don't have um, any notes at all, and, like, it, <laughs> all I keep thinking, well, we'll get to the fear chart. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, in a quiet place with the whiteboard. That's anyway, exactly sorry. what I was going yeah. to say. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. What is the weakness? What is the weakness? Guys, this is when it starts getting even fucking weirder. Just prepare. Upon viewing Nick's autopsy and photos that the woman took of him while they stayed in Eden, the man becomes aware that she had been systematically putting Nick's shoes on the wrong feet, resulting in a foot deformity. While in the woodshed, she attacks him, accuses him of planning to leave her, mounts him, and then smashes a large block of wood onto his penis, causing him to lose consciousness. She then masturbates him, and he ejaculates blood way to beat for effect she drills a hole through his leg bolting a heavy grindstone through the wound and tosses the wrench she used under the cabin the man awakens alone unable to loosen the bolt he hides himself by dragging himself into a deep foxhole at the base of the dead tree that they had sex on following the sound of a crow he had found buried alive in the hole the woman locates attacks and partially buries him night falls Thanks, Wikipedia. Now remorseful, the woman unburies the man but cannot remember where the wrench is. 
She helps him back to the cabin where she tells him that only when the three beggars arrive, he can die. She recounts Nick climbing up to the window, but she does not act, displaying her perceived essential evil. In the cabin, she cuts off her clitoris with a rusty pair of scissors and adding that. That's a, that's my own thing. The two are visited by the crow, the deer, and the fox, the three beggars. A hailstorm begins. Earlier, it was revealed that women accused of witchcraft had been known to have the power to summon hailstorms. When he finds the wrench under the cabin's floorboard, she attacks him with scissors, but he manages to unbolt the grindstone. Finally free, he viciously kills her and burns her on a funeral pyre. The man limps from the cabin eating wild berries as the three beggars look on, now translucent and glowing. Reaching the top of a hill under the bright light, he watches in awe as hundreds of women in antiquated clothes come towards him, their faces blurred. Which, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, obviously he couldn't get them to sign forms for some reason to be in this movie because I'm stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, he had I to do. blur out the faces because they didn't consent what, to be What in is this, a movie. documentary? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I thought that. And I was like, that's, wait, <laughs> that's not, that's not. The faceless that woman way. who have been evil. <sighs> I just rolled my eyes really hard. <laughs> this is like, this is the first movie that we're seeing where I'm like, I can't, there's no way that like I can come into this and kind of counter anything that I'm, I know you're about to say. Like, just to play, like, not not play devil's advocate, but just be like, oh, I saw it, like, this way, or maybe this, or that. No. No, he's not hiding it anymore. <laughs> uh, and there, there's nothing defensible about it. Just because it looks pretty, does it? it's and i think there i think that there were some quasi interesting things that he was trying to say and then fumbled it like not even fumbled it just like it set it on fire at the end you know what i mean like Mm. okay so let me let me just get into this y'all um (laughs) i hate this movie um (laughs) i hate it i really do and i so i i hate i saw this movie for the first time in high school i got I saw the ads for it and like specifically the ad, like the ads where they're fucking under the tree and Willem Dafoe is standing with acorns falling all around him. And all I could think of was Lost One Tree going, okay, Willem, stand there and stare at the camera and we're going to throw acorns all around you and just act like nothing is happening. Like. (laughs) It was really CGI'd. You could like. It was incredible. To me, Um, it didn't look good. No, I mean, incredible in, like, a Jesus Christ kind of way. Um, but so I saw this movie. I got this movie off of Netflix, the DVD. So, like, let's let's talk about how long ago that was, where I put it up at the top of my family's Netflix DVD queue and said, fuck your family movies. I want Lars von Trier's Antichrist to our home immediately. Like, this is how I saw That's Human Centipede. Like how I saw Human Centipede and stuff. Like I used the Netflix DVD queue and like said "fuck you" to my family's DVDs and just got all of these horrific movies. It was incredible. So I watched this by myself because I found something. I was intrigued with the premise, and I it, this was like my first like really art house horror movie, um, because I didn't understand most of it when I was watching it as a teenager. Now. I did understand it, but I, like, some of the things on it were lost on me. One, because I hadn't started going to therapy yet. So there were some things in this movie that I think I would, like, I skipped the part where they're on the train and he's talking her through her, um, 
like a grounding exercise about walking through the woods. I literally fast forward through that when I was a teenager because it was so boring to me. I'm not saying I was right. I'm just trying to give everyone the full context of like my relationship to this movie. Because it's like, I remember so many details about this movie. And I'm not always the best at doing that. But like, I had watched this when I was in high school. And then I watched it for the rewatched it for the first time for this podcast. And I remembered so much about it, which is so weird. Like, shot for shot remembered some stuff, which was really fascinating to me about like the weird way this movie imprinted on my brain. But I remember watching it and at the end going like, this man hates women so much. And guess what? I still have that same th- that I still have that same exact thought, but I have a little bit of a more nuanced approach to it now. I think as like, a couple, like a decade or so later, I feel like I can better appreciate some of it, but I still hate it, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Like, I have more of a language to talk about it. I have more life experience with the experience of grief and therapy. And I have a lot more of like, you know, I've watched a lot more horror movies now and kind of see where he's pulling from to be like, okay, I can see what he's trying to do, but he fails fucking miserably. (laughs) So yeah, that's like the background for me for this movie. Um, I was curious if I was going to think like, oh, I was in high school, I was on Tumblr a lot, like this was like my Tumblr brain, like being very reactive. And like, you know, I was just learning about a lot of these things as a child. And was I being reactive? No, I was being reactive, but I was properly reactive. I need to give my teenage self some more credit. I was (laughs) like, I was pretty right. I mean, as a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, this is, this is like, one of the only movies where um, I feel like there's no other way you can read it. He he almost, like, outright says it, like, a few times, like, in the movie. Like, he wrote in lines about, like, <laughs> what was the one line that Willem Dafoe said? It made me laugh really hard because I was like, you should have... Uh, you should have probably rewritten that one a few times. <laughs> um, he, he was like, you, you interpret, what the fuck was he saying? He was talking to she about how she was writing like her thesis on um, like women not on women and he's like you interpreted that as them being evil or like whatever the fuck do you remember what i'm can you yes, please save I, me i i'm trying to think of the quote but it's like she i'll pull it up she is saying like women are evil and he's like how could you say such a thing women are yeah. not evil and yeah i'm just like oh for the love of god this is so trite like the the dialogue there was just so bad. It was just like, women are not evil. How could you think that? You've been researching all these things. How could you think that women are evil? And I'm like, oh, for the love of God, you are trying to make some stupid statement here. Like, look, the woman says the woman are evil. She must be right. And then the man is just like, no, women are not evil. And it's just like, why, sweet Jesus, is this happening? Because he says... Yes, yes, women are people too, with a human nature. Isn't that what you're saying? And then he adds, all the literature you'd found was not about evil things committed against women, but as much about female nature and the evil within it. 
and then he adds again but that's just another side of the age-old oppression weren't you supposed to be critical of the text this was your thesis damn it they must have taught you something at the university um i certainly hope i get you wrong are you aware of what you're saying uh, <laughs> uh yeah it's just <laughs> i was i was i kept reading but that is hilarious to, i could not stop laughing it was it was literally it, i was like you're the one fucking saying it <laughs> like you know okay, what i mean so yes so okay i want to start back at the beginning of the movie and then get to this because i have a lot of theories and thoughts about von trier's self in this movie and who he sees himself as um yes and feel free to cut that out and we can just add it and no it's yeah no it's fine um so this film opens in black and white with operatic music playing in the middle of intercourse between he and she yes they do not have names there he and she um they're having (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> you know it's going to be an artsy-fartsy movie when it's slow-mo black-and-white sex scene set to operatic music. Like, immediately. Like, in the shower. Like, it's in, it is the most pretentious shit I've ever seen. It's incredible. And immediately, Von Cherzo's unsimulated sex with a penis going inside of a vagina just balls everywhere. Just, like, a close-up of penetration. Why? No reason. No real reason other than, like, look, there's a penis in the vagina. Look at the sexuality between a man and a woman. Um, This is art. Yeah. This is art. Because as they're having sex, it's intercut with their son knocking over the baby monitor. Their son, who is a toddler, knocking over the baby monitor and essentially crawling out of a window and falling out of a window. And incredible... Incredible editing choices. And when I say incredible here, I mean fucking ridiculous. Of the man and the woman orgasming and their child hitting the pavement. (laughs) (laughs) It's not funny, but it is funny. Because, like, the obviousness of, like, cutting from her orgasm, her orgasming, to the son hitting the concrete is the most obvious connection between a woman's pleasure and pain. Which is the entire movie is essentially women's pleasure cannot be achieved. It is all pain. Which I feel like is one of like the sub-theses of this movie linked to female pleasure. Because this woman cannot experience any kind of pleasure without there being consequences. And um, this is the first one. Is she is having sex and, and experiencing orgasm and her son dies. Um, and her experiencing pleasure is the reason why her son dies. And so, but then... You know, you get to this interesting point when the the son has died there and she's in the hospital suffering from atypical grief, which is hysterical. Like, I don't even know what that means, but that term made me want to absolutely punch myself in the face of atypical grief. Um, But he says to her, like, she's blaming herself for this. And, you know, it's like a typical thing. Like, I I should have been there or whatever. And the and. Willem Dafoe's character goes, well, what about me? Which, an interesting interrogation here. Like, why is she, the mother, taking on the blame? And, like, he could also be to blame. So I was like, okay, okay. Maybe there is some interrogation going on here of, like, gender roles here. Um, Doesn't go much further than that. Like, let's be perfectly honest here. But it's like there's these, like, shadows of something interesting, maybe, like, trying to happen sometimes. And then it just is immediately like, yoink, just kidding. No, no, no. We're not actually going to have any nuanced thought about the role of a mother and the death of a child. 
And then he, be- he proceeds to become her therapist in the most unethical situation I've ever seen in my life. Which is, again, brought up. She's like, you shouldn't be treating me like I am your wife. I shouldn't be your patient. And, like, this dynamic arises. This, like, really weird power dynamic arises between the two of them that I think is an interesting way of looking at how he is coping with grief versus she. He is trying to get control over the situation and his analytic, like, this analytical process of, like, putting her through all these tests and, like, being her therapist for a grief that he is also experiencing. Like, this is his kid, too. Like, he is actively experiencing this grief, but he won't address it himself. For himself, he is doing it to her. So it's, like, in that way, it's an it's if there's an interesting glimmer there of how he is processing his grief through her because he doesn't want to confront it himself, which is interesting. But, again, that's never fucking explored, which is – he mostly is just, like, an arrogant man, like, who is just, like, I can fix your problems. Because, like – because, again, like, I'm watching this movie now trying to be, like, okay, I'm trying to give it a fair shake. You know? Like, I'm trying to maybe be, like, okay, maybe I was wrong. You know, I'm trying to be a fair person here and, you know, keep an open mind and not be, like, a total, like, <laughs> shit, shit lord about this movie. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. Do you have – I'm just – I'm rambling a lot You're about this You're not rambling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, as someone who at, at least – for right now is eventually going to be a therapist don't ever do this (laughs) (laughs) i actually looked it up because i was like is there like a circumstance in which like you could treat a family member and apparently you can um but i i think that Mm. it's frowned upon well especially in the situation where he's so close to it like they're both experiencing grief here Right. And like the and he way can't he acts, be objective. not even the li- the littlest bit at all. Um, he's viewing her as like a project, as a pet, as someone who needs to be like observed and who is like he's poking and prodding at her. As and she even says this, she's like, "You've never been more fascinated with me until I was your patient." Which I thought was, again, these glimmers of interesting lines and and observations in this movie where, like, there is a questioning of the dynamics and how these people are acting. But this is all happening in the first half of the movie. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, that's all erased when Charlotte Gainsbourg goes fucking feral. Um, and I wish I was more excited about that. Um <laughs> And I also just want to point out really quick, I meant to point this out earlier, and the title Antichrist, the T on the poster is the symbol for, is the symbol for female, like for feminine, the circle with the line and the, like the plus and the circle, I, that was horrible butchering of that. But the symbol, (laughs) the female symbol is the T in Antichrist. Yeah, it's like stylized that way. Yep. So, um. I didn't actually ever notice until I watched it last night. Mm-hmm. I so I just to give a little background. I thought that I had never seen the rest of this. Like I thought that I had only ever seen up to the fox saying "Chaos Reigns," and then for oh, some reason I turned okay. it off. Like, <laughs> and I remember watching that multiple times, and then I don't remember ever finishing the movie. But I think at some point I actually did finish it because when I was watching it last night, I. I was like, I recognize this imagery, but I... I remember him crushing her his dick with a piece of wood. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. like, I, rem- I remember a lot of the imagery, but 
I was like, I must not have gotten any of the substance when I was watching it whenever I did finish it, which I don't even remember. Probably because I thought it was fucking boring. <laughs> but I'm a completionist, so like, no matter how terrible or boring I think a movie is, I have to watch the rest of it. So that I have a feeling that's probably what ended up happening is I got bored and then um, I finished it but didn't really like pay attention. Mm, um, fair. And I would stick by that now. <laughs> um, I found it a little more interesting when I actually did try to pay attention uh, this time. <laughs> but it was so insufferable <laughs> to me. <laughs> And I was like, this, like, normally I can sort of justify, like, his pretentiousness because I'm like, well, he's he's saying something really interesting with this movie and, like, it looks this way because he's doing this and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you can do that with this movie, I guess, but I don't care. <laughs> no, because, like, this is the thing. I can say a lot of things about, again, I can say a lot of those things about that first half because I think there is some interesting substance potentially happening there. And then as soon as it hits a certain point, it goes out the window. Right. And it's, like, insulting for a lot of fucking reasons. It's an insulting movie. But I just wanted to say that um, I wanted to apologize for white, like, for the behavior of white people everywhere for having cabins in the middle of fucking nowhere that you have to hike to. <laughs> I know. When I was watching that, I was like, that's only a certain demographic because I would that never is fucking a, do that. No. And like, in what universe do people think like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put on a, this backpack and hike through the woods and go to my cabin in the middle of goddamn nowhere with no electricity? Like, I... And like, no food. Like... The wine. They had wine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's... No. This seems fucking horrible. I'm not doing exactly. this. Exactly. No, exactly. And, like, everything is overgrown. It's, like, it looks like an... Like, it's incredible. I, I was just, like, we, as a, as a white race of people, are a disease for a lot of reasons. And this oh is my one God. of them. Sorry. I'm sorry! I'm sorry. No, um, when I was watching that, I, I, I actually... There was a moment where I was, like, well, surely they're not going to hike to the cabin because that's too far to go to a cabin. Like Surprise! I thought they maybe do. I thought maybe they were going for a hike and then and then going to the cabin cuz I was like who would do that? Who would hike? Like why not just drive if you have to go to a cabin in the woods, which we all know is a mistake. Um why I I I mean good for you. If that's what you like to do, I'm happy for you. Don't invite me cuz I'm not coming. I'm not hiking. First of all, I'm probably not hiking. Um <laughs> period <laughs> but then on top of it i'm not hiking with like all my stuff on my back to a cabin that takes like a day to get to i'm not doing that that's that not a vacation horrible. that's fucking like forced labor yeah and and on top of it <laughs> on top of it it's like not for fun reasons either no okay so it's the guard. Okay, it's the woods are called eden so like <laughs> religious imagery <laughs> um Garden of Eden. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. You thought the Mother dis- was on the nose. Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> um, the Antichrist. Eden. And then he and she go to the Garden of Eden in the woods. Blur. Um, and it's because she says that she's terrified of Eden in the woods. And so <laughs> he makes a pyramid of her fear. 
for exposure therapy. <laughs> on like I'm a, rolling like a my yellow eyes. a yellow memo pad. Like just like the classic yellow pad of paper. And just makes a little little triangle and writes Eden. And she goes, I'm not there's something scarier than Eden, but I don't know yet. So he writes Eden, parentheses, garden. Yeah. For no reason. For no reason. For no reason. Because like, it's, it's the woods. It's not the Garden of Eden. It's the woods. Like, it's, it's like, oh, by the way, guys, it's the Garden of Eden in case you didn't fucking know the camera he, into he your a, brain. He does that and then a he few a, times. Oh. Where he's like, oh, of, so you mean Satan, right? <laughs> like, what yeah, the okay. fuck? So then he puts a line above it and is like, question mark. It, it's, it's, it is exactly like the fucking whiteboard in Quiet Place. Like, what is the weakness? Yes. There are three. Like, it's just the most, like, <laughs> ridiculous situation of, like, trying to figure out her inner psyche. It's incredible. And as the as the movie goes on, he's like, Satan? And then he writes, in quotation marks, me? And I thought he was going to write men. And I was like, I please, I if it was men, it would be so much better. If he wrote men, like, I wish it had been men as her ultimate fear. Because it's true. It would have <laughs> been a better movie if that was the case. But I digress. So he's, like, basically, like, leading her on, like, a forced march through the woods to confront her anxieties and fears about, like, her repressed whatever the fuck is going on with her and, like, cure her grief, basically. And they arrive to Eden um, after he sees a deer with a stillborn deer hanging out of it, just running away in the weirdest slow motion scene. There's three, like, it's so bizarre. And I'm just like... Okay. Shocking imagery. We love it. We love to see it. Great. Also a weird correlation with the birth meta, like the birth and mother things like, oh, look, the deer couldn't properly give birth to its young. Like, is it a good, it's a terrible mother, even though it's a deer. But you know, it's got that weird maternal thing going along about like incapable mothers and inability to provide what women are supposed to provide or female anything are supposed to provide and bring into the world. And so, once again, bashing you over the goddamn head with it like a giant hammer. Like, thanks a lot, Von Trier. Um, And they get to the cabin and things get fucking weird because nature is Satan's church, as we all know. Um, (laughs) As Charlotte Gainsbourg says, it's Satan's church. Um, I thought that was a very metal line. I mean, I did like I do like I do like calling nature Satan's church. It's cool as shit. Yeah, me too. But also, like, I also think that we think of Satan as not as a terrible thing as they are saying in this movie. True. But whatever. That's that's for another time. Um, <laughs> that's another discussion. Um. Okay. Yeah. So now they're in the woods. In the woods. In the cabin. Where you know nothing good will happen. So, wait. Speaking of cabins and woods, you do consider this a horror movie? So Okay, thank you for asking. Because I was thinking about this a lot and how this this movie, Antichrist, compared to all of his other movies that I've seen and that I know of, and like I know a lot about his other filmography, I think this is his most explicitly horror film. Like... House that Jack built, which we'll talk about, is like definitely like serial killer and gross. But this one, I think, is most borrowing from horror tropes, like cabin in the woods, couple goes into the woods, like are experiencing grief. Like this is like pre-elevated horror shit, but this is like next level. This is like elevator in the sky, like in low atmosphere, 
elevated horror to the point that it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> There's even a jump I, scare. There is. So, like, I think that this is a horror movie. I think he is using those tropes. I think there's even a moment where Willem Dafoe's character is in the attic discovering all this stuff. Like, it's a very horror movie how he discovers, like, the breadcrumbs of what's happening. And there's, like, this climax of him discovering what's going on. So I definitely think that this is his most horror movie. Like, it has those beats, I think, personally. I was picking up on it, too. I... Normally, when people have this debate of, like, this is a horror movie, this isn't a horror movie, like Jaws, for instance, where where there's, like, this whole debate for the rest of time, seemingly, where people, some people think it's a horror movie, some people don't. I normally don't care. I'm like, if you think it's a horror movie, that's fine. Like, sure, it is, you know? With this one, I was, like, going back and forth, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I was getting a lot of the beats, and the jump scare gets me every time for some fucking reason, even though I know it's coming. Because <laughs> um, that's where I—that's <laughs> where I remember shutting it off every time. Um, Chaos. <laughs> which, as someone who thinks animals are just the cutest, <laughs> and like, I, I did like all the animals in this, even though they were like fucked up. <laughs> They're still cute to me. <laughs> That's all that matters. The Dax still thought the animals were cute. <laughs> I know. I every time I would see the fox, I'm like, oh, I want to kiss it. <laughs> I want to kiss your boobas to make it better, even though it's it literally eviscerating its its own body. I know. Oh, it, it was really gross. A lot. All all of that shit is really fucking gross. The bird that falls out of the tree, horribly disgusting. But I was like, oh, that was horrible. Birdie. <laughs> ants everywhere and then a falcon just rips off its fucking wing and you're like jesus christ what is happening yeah and normally i don't like um think that kind of stuff is that gross but i don't know why this time when i was watching it i was like oh my god that's well, like horrible the bird thing at. was the bird thing was like out of note like that was weird i was like what does it have to do whatever that because well to answer my own question i guess it is a horror movie <laughs> um yeah sorry off but like yeah. maybe not but sure maybe like why not i'm i guess that's what he's going for at the end it, it's like yeah <laughs> it has to be the beginning part i don't know but then that's like yeah. how audition is too yeah well that's the thing yeah <laughs> i think like and again like you know you can push and pull with this movie all you want and i i get it either way i just think that this is the movie where he's most explicitly pulling horror tropes from like he is hitting yeah. horror movie beats in this like very explicitly and i think and i also think this is a witch movie i think this is a movie about witches yes i got that this time too um which i got the first time i watched it when i was younger and i was like wow maybe my young self wasn't as dumb as i thought i was <laughs> I just seriously didn't remember anything. Like, I remember That's the baby, fair. like, dying, obviously, because the first five minutes, um, and the slow-mo sex, and I remembered the fox, partially, yes, because I thought the fox was cute, like, sorry, I am who I am. Then the, all the rest of it, I just, like, didn't remember <laughs> for some reason. Um, so this and time watching it, I was like, oh, witches, cool. <laughs> I wish yeah. it had leaned more into that, actually. I do. I do, too, because I think there was something really interesting here about, like, so as soon as, like, they're going into nature, and he's trying to do exposure therapy to her, and all of a sudden, she starts getting better. 
And she's like, you cured me. And it's, but to me, it's like she goes into nature because, you know, we call nature mother nature. There is an inherently feminine association with nature, but also there's an evil association with nature, which we're used to with women being associated with evil. And there's that weird triangle of like women and nature and evil. And this kind of, again, and it goes into this whole thing in the movie is like women's nature, not just like the nature out like the natural world, but like their inherent human nature is to be evil. So it all becomes entangled into this thing where she is researching it for her thesis and is talking about like, oh, it's women's nature to be inherently evil. And I was like, uh oh. And so, you know, she is studying all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I um, just love how he thinks having the woman say it makes it better. <laughs> well, exactly. No, it's incredible. And so this is what and so this is getting to kind of another point I have about Von Trier in this movie is that I think he I think he wanted to put himself in the subject position of the woman to feel like he was saying something important. I think in a lot of his movies, he is putting especially in the Depression trilogy, he's putting himself in the position of the woman rather than the man. And he is having the woman say the things he is thinking and thinking it's not going to sound as bad because it's a female character having it. So it could be her reclaiming agency. And so he veils himself as a female character to say these things and have them be like more shocking and also like seemingly have more weight. But when in reality, they're still misogynistic because surprise, women can be misogynistic. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Surprise, everybody. But that's what I see in this movie. Is, this movie especially is like he sees himself as she, I think, because he, you know, he is the one experiencing depression and he is the one going through all of these like these weird like, transitional whatever the fuck with his mental health. But then it gets to the point where it's like women are evil. And it's like, well, we all know that he like as, from this series, we know that he has a complicated relationship with his mother, which she revealed. So he. I would, I'm going to go out on a limb here and extend that to he probably has a complicated relationship with women, as we can see. And boy, oh boy, is that complicated relationship and the anger behind that complicated relationship really coming out in the last half of Antichrist, where this woman just goes all out feral in a way that I usually would love a woman going feral, but really, she just becomes the psycho villain and needs to be defeated by the man. In a way that made me laugh. Like, it's like, it's oh just, my god, you're not even hiding it with that either. No, and like, so she's researching witches in the woods, and she has, she reveals this experience she had where she was there with her son, and I cannot believe she hiked all the way out into the middle of the woods with a fucking toddler. Like, I thought that's that why, too. That's why she's evil because she got, she did that <laughs> shit, and she went mad because that's a nightmare. And honestly, I can't blame her for it. Um, sorry, that's terrible, but here I am. So she thought she heard her son crying, but he wasn't. He was just hanging out in the woodshed. So she, like, hints at this kind of, like, weird paranormal experience that she had in the woods. And that's not really, like, touch on again. But there's whispers of something in the woods that is otherworldly. And she's researching gynocide, the killing of – the mass killing of women, and doing this research and hearing this laughter. And she is essentially – then discovers the three beggars, which are despair, pain, grief, and despair, which are represented by the fox, the deer, the fox, and the crow. And the three beggars, it's not really like gone into that deep, like that deeply, but they seem to be part of like a witchcraft thing, like a witchcraft witch lore. And 
she has all this research about them and it and it is kind of inferred at least i'm inferring that she take she's come so embroiled in this research and she's doing it in the natural world she herself is kind of imbuing herself with the magic of women and of nature but in a way that it is evil and not in like a kind of a badass way because again i feel like this movie if it was directed by a woman or like someone who cared it would be really badass and not called Antichrist. Um, but <laughs> she gets like imbued with like, I, I I feel like she kind of gets, becomes one of these women she's researching. But in becoming one of these women, she also takes in the patriarchal idea that they are evil. So instead of becoming free with this association, she just automatically assumes, oh, I now know the evil of women because I am experiencing the evil of these women. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, you know, I w- that that wouldn't have been my takeaway personally. I've never, you know, been in this situation, but I don't think that would have been my personal takeaway. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so know. like, I, I just can't. I'm it's so tiresome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know. I, when I was watching this, um, this time, maybe I've seen Evil Dead too many times, but um, <laughs> I was sorry, watching I'm so it. excited for what you're about to say. I'm so excited. It just seemed to me like he was, he watched Evil Dead and was like, how can I make this pretentious? And then tried to, and he was like, oh, and by the way, I also hate women. How can I put that in there? Hmm. Oh my God, Doc, because... that's an incredible comparison. That's incredible. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. That's yeah. so, like, I hadn't thought about that. Thank you. Yeah, I, because it's like, um... You know, in Evil Dead, like the woods, like possesses, uh, uh, the first woman. Yeah, because right? they read that book. They read the book, right? And the book here could be like all of her research, and then they, like you said, she becomes possessed by mm-hmm. the spirit after like gaining the the arcane knowledge. They are now open to being taken by those ancient spirits. Yeah, that it exactly, and even the um, books and stuff that looked like <laughs> straight out of Evil Dead to me. Fucking painted gun aside and paint on the cover of a leather bound <laughs> notebook, like what? It, yeah, and I when I was watching this, I was like, "Huh, this reminds me of a little bit of like a uh, uh, misogynistic Evil Dead." Which I know people can point to the um, tree scene and say, like, that's misogynistic. And I'm not even going to even touch on that right now. Uh, but Sam Raimi innocent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's terrible. No, it's just I, I, <laughs> I don't We're, think we should another get into time. it right now. Another time, another day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, when I was watching this, I thought that's where it was going where like the woods was possessing her and blah 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 and i guess it kind of does in a way yeah not it's like not as explicit obviously like there isn't but there is the vibe yeah and also please don't like message me and be like actually it was the demon i know like i know what happens in evil dead like, please don't come at me. I'm just saying, like, that whatever spirit or whatever lives in the woods and, like, the it attacks her and comes out of the woods. That's what I mean, right? Like, 
Yes. But I, what I'm saying in this movie is I would have actually really thought it was interesting if it was actual, like, I guess it kind of is nature possessing her. I feel like I watched this and I was just like, this is bullshit. And I barely took anything away because I was like, I, I just, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like, whatever. I know you're trying to say something interesting and I don't think it's interesting at all. <laughs> And I think uh, my friend was here watching it with me and she was like, he makes movies just for himself. And I was like, that is absolutely fucking true. Yep. Like, I don't think this was for anyone else to watch. <laughs> and then we just happened to find it. Stumble upon it. Yeah. And, and for some reason, someone didn't burn it. No. I don't even know what I'm fucking saying. I need more coffee. No. I know, I'm like chugging coffee as I'm saying. Guys, we're recording this at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And like, boy, oh boy, it's a way to wake up in the morning. Um, So it, it has the horror movie beat of, oh, he he, reveal, mm-hmm. he like he reveals what's been going on. Like there is like the big reveal moments of like, oh, he found the gynocide book and he found the autopsy result where she was putting the shoes on the wrong feet of the kid. And like that wasn't really explained much other than like she was like, torturing the kid. But like pretty much to put torturing the kid and causing a deformity in his ankles. Um, and this is where she goes like all out feral because she's now being like confronted with like, and she's like, Oh, you're going to leave me. But it's not, she's not like mad that he discovered the truth. It's more like, Oh, you're going to leave me. And she becomes the psychotic woman stereotype that is like unhinged and is, a, is jealous and is sex crazed because there's a lot of this movie where she really wants to have sex with him and he says no, which, fine. There's, like, you know, he is not consenting to sex with her and it seems like she's using – she wants to use sex to heal and that is a thing for some people. He does not, etc. Like, there's a whole other thing we could dive into with that, but I won't do that right now. But she wants to have sex. Again, like, pleasure and all this stuff and – but she, so she has like this big reveal and show so all of a sudden it's just like she is go she she goes full feral like i keep saying she goes feral she starts screaming she kind of lose it looks like she's losing her mind like we see her thinking that she's been cured of her depression and like her grief and then all of a sudden like a, a switch flips because he has discovered that she was doing weird things with his shoes that she thinks women are evil they're having sex at one point and she like runs out into the woods because he won't hit her um during sex because she can't feel anything um so she runs out into the woods and they they, they're having sex in a weird way under this tree that's got all these limbs in it which is like you know implied to be women's dead women's limbs coming out of this tree where they're fucking um it's actually a very cool shot it's really cool i do i it's really cool again like this is a movie i feel like that could have been really good in the hands of someone who wasn't so (sighs) shitty he loves a pile of dead bodies he loves a pile of dead bodies which Um, well this is this is not confirmed in any way but i wonder if that's somehow a weird reference of his to his jewish identity oh interesting interesting but and so you know as they're having sex it almost is like something is unleashed in her and she just goes bananagrams and so cuckoo bananas. you know she she goes cuckoo bananas she smashes his dick with a piece of wood 
and then this is when it gets into full shock territory and i don't think that von trier really knew what he was saying he just wanted to put some fucked up shit in there and like make Uh, her look evil it was torture porn times it was it was like he wanted to make her look evil and make her like look sex crazed and terrible and it, it was just like a design to make her look like a bad like a crazy woman a cra- she's a crazy woman is the way to put it here because she smashes his penis she jerks him off until he comes blood and it's all over her shirt for the rest of a lot of the movie which is wild that there is just calm blood on her shirt it made me think of that that cannibal corpse song oh god i come blood and i was like i wish that it would just like cut to that song for no fun that'd be incredible like in funny games that start playing the heavy metal oh yes exactly like that i was like i wish that would so good that's what i would have done (laughs) i just said that and muted and ran away it was i know you're just like bye um so you know that that deed is done and then she puts a grindstone like drills uh takes a hand drill and drills a hole into his leg and puts this grindstone through it with a bolt because she can because it just incapacitates him it's a weird choice but again this whole movie is a weird choice and she's like (laughs) weighing him down literally yeah and this also happens in dogville where um Nicole Kidman's character has to carry a weight around the whole time, um, which is fascinating that he has a lot of these weird weight metaphors going on. Well, not even metaphors, just like, (laughs) it's not a metaphor at this point. It's explicit here. But like, you know, he drags his ass into the middle of the woods. She finds him and buries him, then has regret. And then she brings him home and tries to take the, takes the thing out of his leg. But it's like, it's time for him to die. But then she lays down on the floor next to him and decides, I'm going to cut off my clitoris with a pair of scissors. And it is shot in full close-up, full practical effects. You watch her, like, take, like, like, you watch, like, it's a close-up of her hands, like, positioning her hand on her vulva and, like, getting the scissors in the right spot and telling her husband to hold her and then clipping, like, snipping off her clitoris and it bleeding out. Like, it's a close-up of this entire thing. Which, like, if you if you did not know if he hated women in this movie, that's the shot to, like, really solidify it as you watch a woman perform, gen- like, self-genital mutilation on camera. Yeah, I think that, if I remember correctly, that is when everybody at Cannes was just like, I'm done now, and <laughs> just started leaving. People Fair were enough. really mad about that, like, in People the time when really... it came out. Yeah, they were. And, like, I knew it was coming. I wasn't excited about it. Because, like, I mean, just say you hate women and go, my dude. <laughs> like, this, uh, it just, well, and yeah, then, why are you dragging ins- it out for two fucking hours yeah, or however? And, like, to add insult to her fucking vaginal in- injury, he strangles her to death in, like, a horrific way of ending where you watch her, like, it's like the actual act of, like, you watch her tongue pop out of her mouth and, like, you hear her, like, trachea cracking. Like, it's fucked up the way she dies. And it's really gross. It's gross. And she is, th- so she is killed at the end of this movie and the guy survives, even though in this movie at the beginning, the man is positioned as this arrogant piece of shit who thinks that he can control her and like fix her and thinks he knows what he's doing to make her better. And she is kind of like this really sad person trying to get away from that and trying to understand her own grief while also trying to like 
humor her husband. And so there's this really interesting dynamic going on there. And then it's thrown out the goddamn window in the last half where he kills her and he gets to live. Like, he's such a terrible character. It would be, I was waiting for him to get fucking killed. And yet he survives and is the one that defeats the evil woman. And he, like, he doesn't even just kill her. He, like, burns her. Yes. Like, <laughs> How the fuck do you explain that to anybody? Whatever, it's not the point. I know that's like a movie, but I'm just like, how the fuck do you explain? Hey, I um, I killed my wife in her cabin in the middle of nowhere, and I set her on fire. <laughs> yeah, like we get it. You're burning the witch. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's like this could have been a good for her movie, and it wasn't <laughs> in the slightest. And it's just the most infuriating shit. And this again, like I I I enj- I like Dancer in the Dark and Breaking the Waves, but it's this continued trend and in like building trend of brutalizing the female body and brutalizing women in general. And it's like I think Von Trier wants to be like, well, I'm putting myself in the position as a woman because I'm brutalizing myself. So I am like a woman. And this could be me being like very like this is too deep, but I feel like he thinks that he can do what he do- he can to these characters because he puts them- himself in that position, especially in the Depression trilogy. But it's like, no, honey, that's not an excuse. Light yourself on fire, then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. Is like I think he thinks it's okay because the woman is saying it or doing it, and uh, that's like not true. <laughs> like, <laughs> No. Women can still be terrible too. And like, I get, well, I get that in this movie. I know that's what he's trying to say, but not in the same way that I'm saying it. Yeah. Well, and then again, like, there is that hint at the witch with the witches because she at one point says, like, these three women would bring about hailstorms and control the weather. And when they're back at the cabin and she is about, I think it's before she cuts off, like, she performs the mutilation, it starts to hail. So there is this, like, connection to her having, again, magical connections, this, like, witchcraft kind of vibe. So, again, never, like, explicitly, explicitly stated, but she's a witch. She's a witch. I'm going to go out there and say that Charlotte Gainsbourg's character is a witch, and this whole movie is about killing the witch, and how you need to repress the witch within you and how being a witch and the men, which means being a woman, is bad. Yeah. And you need to, like, harness your chaos and, like, control it or whatever the fuck. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's a whole other, like, thing in this movie is, like, chaos. And, like, nature's chaotic, I guess you could say. Uh grief is a little chaotic you know but it's like I feel like he says that and just doesn't really do anything with it no I th- I feel that way about most of the stuff like all the dead animals like obviously I get it they're dead babies <laughs> like you know and it's like oh your baby's dead remember here's an animal to remind you and uh I'm just like, okay, but like, like what? Like, <laughs> like why? I, I don't know. I just, I, maybe it's just because I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> I, I know. But I don't, I really don't. Th- I think he was just like, this is a parallel, you know, in nature. Like, here's a dead baby. Here's a dead baby. Here's a dead baby. A dead baby for you. Everybody gets a dead <laughs> baby. And woo, woo, woo. 
I'm just like, okay, but like, what? Like, what? What? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's like bombarding us with these like religious images and these disturbing images. And you're like, okay, cool. But like, what's the point? Because I was reading something about this and how people were like, look, and I feel this way too, like extreme violence. I don't have a problem with it, obviously, but like it needs to kind of have a little bit of a point. And here, I think he thought it had a point, but really it was just trying to be shocking. He's like, oh, the first half of my movie is like a family drama and it's kind of depressing. So what if I just have her like decimating penises and vaginas at the end to make a point? And you're like, no, no, that's not how you make a point. But I guess go off. Or at least explain it, because obviously it's something in your head that you did not get across on the screen, and that's why it... Well, that's not the only reason why, but that's part of why uh, your message was lost on literally everyone else in the world, (laughs) apparently. I know. And, like, I know some people really love this movie, and... I would love to hear why. And I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I do want to know why you love this movie because I don't get it. And I would love to hear from someone who loves it in a non-confrontational way. Please and thank you. I do not want to fight about this movie. I just want to understand. I don't think I it's just, worth even fighting over. Like, no, it's not worth fighting over. And like that's most movies or all movies really well, true, in general. Yeah. <laughs> this one specifically though. It's like I could, I actually could see why someone would love this movie just based on like it it looks really good it is creepy it is it is very creepy yeah and like it i don't know i guess it has some sort of message that didn't connect with me but i'm i guess someone else could connect with it and i'm not just saying like (laughs) like the message of i hate women (laughs) like i'm i'm saying like maybe someone connects with it on the depression level you know um, yeah, because I feel like there were some parts of it that I was like, I could better understand and connect with because I myself have finally like gone to therapy and confronted my own stuff like versus when I was a teenager. Again, not a lot of it. But I think there are some interesting things going on here that I could see why people would latch on to that and like it. But like, I- I've seen some people trying to claim and like, it's no one I know personally, it's like on the internet, people trying to claim it's like an empowerment narrative. And I'm like, I don't think we watch the same movie. Yeah, I'm not getting that from this, especially since the person who needs to be empowered dies. <laughs> Is a yeah. Well, so I would have to think about that more because I'm thinking of some other movies where that happens. And I'm like, No, I still get that that's from the, it. that's the that's the thing. It's it's complicated because, like, you think about other movies that have a woman dying in it, but it's not necessarily as shitty. But I think it's because all the buildup to this is why it's so terrible that, like, she is murdered. And, like, she's not, like, a cool anti-hero or, like, a fascinating nuanced villain or anything. Because it's, it's just all – it's not – it's rushed. It's not kind of thought through in a way that is any kind of critical thinking. Exactly, yeah. And – just to like wrap up what I was saying, I just want to make sure people know like if you like this movie, as long as you're not like a misogynistic creep, um, good for you. I'm glad that you like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I mean that seriously. Like, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not judging you for liking this movie or whatever, you know. Um, that's fine. I It just didn't connect with me. And I think that's fine too. <laughs> I'm judging you, like, a little bit, but I still want to talk about it with you. <laughs> I'm not, because maybe, maybe you found something in it that 
I didn't see. Like, you know, yeah, or or whatever, you know. I mean, yeah, like I said, yeah, as long yeah. as you're not a creep of some sort, um, that's fine. You know, I'm sure I like movies. I know for a fact I like movies that other people are like, why the fuck would anybody like this? Exactly. And how I was, do you see it as, like, a good thing? That's so funny. I was thinking about that yesterday when I was watching this, too, because I just wrote about this movie called Capture, Kill, Release, a found footage movie where the woman is, like, a terrible person and a serial killer. And I'm like, this movie's incredible. And I was, like, interrogating why I liked that movie over this movie and was, like, trying to kind of think through the kinds of things that I like versus I don't like in terms of especially like gender representation and these weird messages about like women in film and was you know actively I was proud of myself like actively trying to have a dialogue in my own brain interrogating why certain things resonate with me and other things don't and I think it's because especially like with capture kill release I feel like they know exactly what they're doing with her and it's, like, very purposeful, and I appreciated that purposefulness. Like, she's bad from the beginning, and they establish that, but they don't, but they try to make it more complex. And in here, it's much more, like, one note, two notes. It's, like, her being incredibly depressed and her being evil, and there isn't kind of, like, an attempt to understand her as a person. It's more like her being viewed through the lens of a man. Yeah, that was actually what I was going to say. Like, if I had to guess why this feels different to you, it's because um, Willem Dafoe's character is, like, explaining her to herself (laughs) the whole time and just making, like, these judgments about how she must be feeling and trying to analyze her. And it feels like... It feels like some weird invasion to me yeah because i think we're supposed to be we're supposed to be willem dafoe like the audience and like i'm not really interested in like looking at i'll 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 paraphrase something from spencer which i watched just before this um there's that part in Spencer where she says, um, everybody is looking at me, just me, not you. She's talking to Charles. Um, and I'm the insect in the Petri dish and everybody is taking off my wings and my legs. And, um, that's how I felt watching this. And I'm not interested in doing that. Like I'm, I don't want to take apart this woman character who represent who quite literally represents all women because she's nameless and just named she <laughs> and she's she is the only woman in eden and so she is like the like the yeah mm-hmm. yeah yep. i'm not interested in being put in that position of he where i'm taking apart women and like dissecting them and being like what makes them tick and like (laughs) it's just like uh it feels and in willem dafoe's character even says it he says that he's arrogant in it and that's how it feels to me and it's like he also says stuff like you think another therapist is gonna know you better than i know you and it's like yeah that's a fucking like problem first of all (laughs) like uh way to point it out yourself but it's like I think that he thinks he knows her better than she even knows herself. And um, I don't ever want to make that call about somebody 
You know, no. even if, even in a fictional like narrative, I'm, it feels gross to me. Like it, I felt gross watching this. I was like, I'm not trying to sit here and like for two hours be like, women are they good or bad? Like, like well, and also like there's this. This happens even, like, in romance movies and, like, other things where it's, like, I know you better than you know yourself. And it's the worst fucking trope. I hate it. It's, like, people trying to give themselves power over someone else because they understand, like, they understand who they are. And it's, like, no, but that when you say that, that means you don't. Like, you don't actually understand that person at all. Yeah, that's, like, a child's, like, understanding of a person, in my opinion. That's a red flag yeah. to me. Yeah, red, red fucking to me, flag. Uh, I'd be like, get away forever. You're like, no, nope, we're done. No, thank you. Goodbye. Like, yeah, don't speak because to me I actually time. do have people who have said that to me, and it turned out that they were awful. And it turns out in this, he's fucking awful. And like, she's awful too. I think, like, oh, yeah. That's oh, very clear. Yes. yes. And, in no way, shape, or form do I defend anything that she does in this movie. She is terrible, but it's because Von Trier wants her to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Especially, like, also, like, I don't want to gloss over this fact. She, like, let her child die. Like, yes. On purpose. Yes. And, on purpose. And that's, thank you, totally forgot to bring that part up. Because, of course, like, it's like, look, she is evil because she let her kid, or she thinks she's evil because she let her kid die because she was having sex. And again, going back to the, the the intercutting of her orgasming over the kid hitting the pavement it's like she prioritized her pleasure over her child which is something a mother is not supposed to do and you're not obviously no one told their kid die but there's like that interesting kind of parallel there too of like she was experiencing pleasure and she cared more about that than anything else which inherently makes her a bad person on top of letting her child die to clarify for people who haven't watched this and we aren't selling it well, so they probably won't watch it. Good. Um, she watches her child, like, while while she's having sex, she watches her child climbing up to the window, which is not made clear in the beginning. It, it looks like he's in a different room, but actually he's in the same room and she's watching him climb up to the window and climbing out of it and she just doesn't care. And afterwards... And like Defoe is mid thrust. Defoe is mid thrust. Yeah, he can't see because he's like on top and like his face is like buried. Um, So it's not like. He's lost in the sauce, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like he has any idea. Um, And then after, you know, they're done, she looks like happy. Even though she just watched her child like fall out a window. So. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking so, about. We're not saying like, oh, she didn't care, and that's why her kid fell out a window by accident. It it like wasn't an accident no, like, at a point because she like, didn't do anything on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> and we're supposed to be like, oh my god, what a terrible mother! And it's like, what? Okay, I get what you're trying to do, and I hate it. <laughs> like, look, she was a witch the whole time who was like trying to hurt her son. Because of, like, the weird shoe thing and all this other stuff. And it's just, like, I don't... Which what? my friend brought up a really good point. That she thought that the weird shoe thing was, like, possibly going to be evidence that the baby was, like, some sort of hell creature. Um, because, like, of, like, mm. hoof, hoof feet. Um, 
which never like is really analyzed in the movie but that would have been cool as shit though yeah and i guess you could like like with no help from the movie think about it on your own and like be like (laughs) is is that part of what he's saying is like are are um children hell spawn because they come from women or like whatever but then that would mean everybody is hell spawn Hell yeah, and we're the source of the Antichrist because there's the female symbol in the T. Boop. Sorry. (laughs) I can't stop rolling my eyes. It's just like, it's so over the top and so fucking obvious and so shitty. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing Mm -hmm. is just like banging you over the fucking head and it's just like... I get it. I get it. I get it. You hate women. Like, cool. And I also think you think you're doing something here. Because there's glimmers of something here. But then you just, like, say, nah, just kidding. I'm done interrogating this. She's an evil bitch. Yeah. And it is interesting when I think about, you know, the other movies that we watched. And remember I said, like, in a lot of his movies, there's, like, some weird, strange glimmer of hope. And I was when I was watching this one, I was, like, looking for it. And I guess the end maybe you could take something like that away from it i don't get it um how how i'm curious how you think that i i don't i don't know like um okay. i think i think he thinks by <laughs> by willem defoe's character coming to understand women <laughs> at the end um i think that's what he thinks happens um <laughs> Hmm. there's like some like some enlightenment that is like good for the world or something like that interesting i don't see it that way but i try to when it's like a problematic movie like this i try to put myself in the shoes of like whoever wrote it and is directing it and be like what are what do they think about what they're saying like what how would they analyze their own work like yeah. Because, like, I'm trying to be fair in my analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, like, that's what I was trying to do, too, because I already was very vocal about how much I hated this movie and when I had first seen it. So I was, but I was trying to have a more objective view this time mm-hmm. to kind of look at it from a different perspective and try to, like, find maybe a new meaning to it. There just isn't yeah. one. There's, there, <laughs> there just isn't a new meaning. Like, it's so on the nose. Well, yeah, and, like, I interpreted, I watched the ending twice because I was, like, wanted to see if it was just women going up the hill and coming back down or if it was women and men because that kind of would have shifted mm-hmm. my thinking a little bit. But it almost to me felt like, look, there's all because like, there's women going up the hill and down the hill, which mm-hmm. me, what to me I read as there was women bringing men to this place and women leaving and the women leaving by themselves um, kind of, like, connoted that they killed a man and they were leaving and he's the first man to have survived and he is the first man to have conquered women and i was like ooh, yeah i took it that way too (laughs) don't like that or like yeah because there's no there's no like like heaven here so it's not like they're going up to heaven and down to hell. It's like that when they go up, they're going to the fucking hell cabin. <laughs> you know. Mm, hell cabin. 
I finally finished it this time. Congratulations, you did it. I took like seven breaks. (laughs) You did, you took seven breaks. Yeah, like I did a face mask. You did. I I also did skincare while I was, I (laughs) I literally did, I did the same thing you did. I paused the movie to do my skincare routine and like wash my face and do my like, my little potion-y thing of like my moisturizer and my my tinctures and shit. Oh yeah. I was like, no, this movie can wait. I need to like do my self-care because this movie's (laughs) pissing me off. It wasn't even because it was pissing me off. It was because I was so fucking bored and I was like prolonging it. And then at a point I realized that if I kept doing that, I would never finish it and it would take longer. So then I finally like was like, fine. <laughs> and it isn't boring the whole time. Like, no. I'm, and- I can't lie and say that like the whole thing is boring because it isn't. And, like, I'm not trying to make myself seem like I'm above anything in this movie. Like, um, it's just, like, I find it to be a really, like, tiresome subject. Like, men trying to figure women out in films. And, uh, mm-hmm. like, I just, I I don't care. I realize, like, I'm a man. And inherently I have some problems and some privilege. Like, I understand that. And, like, sure, it's slightly different, I guess, because I'm trans, but it's still something that trans men have to think about and work on, too. Yeah. Uh, Like, so I, in no way am I trying to sit here and be like, well, I'm so much better and not all men. Uh, Like, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying this movie is kind of fucking boring to me. And, like, not because I'm better than anyone. Just because, like, I think the pacing is too slow i think uh (laughs) some of the some of the camera stuff actually made me laugh um because (laughs) like the the handheld camera stuff because it made oh my god it sometimes looks like i'm watching like uh the office or something oh thank you so much and like the the zoom in on people's faces for reactions i was like that is kind of funny like i and i had never clocked how much of the kind of dogma 95's tactics he used in this one when i when i first seen it because i didn't know what it was and it was so funny to see it here i'm like "Uh oh it does not work here the way that i think you think it does it's like waiting for jim to shrug his shoulders like oh (laughs) what a goof i was trying to like analyze why on earth he would think he needed to use handheld and i think that it's like obviously because he wants us to feel like we're there he wants it to feel more realistic uh but i don't think that works for this movie in any way i don't think it works for any of the movies i don't like it personally yeah just because like um like i don't know i that doesn't make me feel like I'm watching a movie. If anything, it or it doesn't make me feel like I'm part of a movie. It, it takes me out of it more. Yeah. But it, it was making me laugh in this one because it would it would change over to like... Actually, the um, Fox scene is a good example. Like when it's leading up to the Chaos Reigns Fox <laughs> jump scare. Uh, the Chaos Reigns <laughs> jump scare. <laughs> the the camera is handheld and it's like um going back and forth between like Willem Dafoe and and the 
grass or whatever the fuck that is that's like shaking because there's something in it. Oh yeah, like the fern, whatever the hell situation. Yeah, like Jurassic there. Park style, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the camera's going back and forth, and it like zooms in. <laughs> it made me laugh, and then it cuts to slow mo, uh, like still cam, and. It like looks. It suddenly looks like pretty, and there's like a um, like a like a color like filter thing. Yeah, it's like incredibly high res, like incredibly polished filmmaking. Like it sticks out like a sore thumb compared to everything we've seen so far because it's so much more. It's so much more sleek to the point of like mm-hmm. you know it's constructed. Yeah, I would prefer it had looked like that the whole time. Not the slow-mo part, because first of all, um, I didn't think that was necessary. And second, <laughs> that would have made it even more boring to me. But Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was making me laugh, how he was like going back and forth between the cameras. I thought it, the stark like contrast there was really funny just <laughs> i agree i agree it reminded me of like reality tv camera like you know like yes uh, yes zooming in and going back and forth like trying to get all the action and i don't know it was just really funny to me i know i shouldn't have been i feel like a lot of this was making me laugh because i thought it was fucking absurd yeah and i realized the movie is not funny i'm i'm not saying the movie itself is funny or the subject matter I really don't find that funny, but just um, his methods it's, where yes. it, it was making me laugh just thinking that he thought this was so profound. And in reality, it looked like an episode of like 90 Day Fiance or something. Oh my God. <laughs> That's fucking brutal. I love it. So wow. fucking sad. <laughs> <laughs> you heard what I said. Wow. And, like, look, I'm not a filmmaker. Um, I could never make something that looks this good. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I've never tried. I still stand by my opinion on that. I, 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 I will also stand by you on that. I agree. Yeah, okay. Well. All is full of love. <laughs> Oh my god, Bjork! She fluttered in off of her beautiful swan. (laughs) I'm here, and my name is Bjork. My name is Bjork, and I'm here to talk about movies. I hate Lars von Trier. He's a piece of garbage. Thank you. From the land of the ice. (laughs) From the land of the ice. This is Bjork. Goodbye! Oh, God. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Brain empty, no thoughts. I don't... I don't think there's anything I could really say or add or anything. You like you analyze this way better than me, and like I know that it's wrong of me to not properly do my homework and uh, give somewhat of a fuck. But it's really hard. This one was really hard for me. It was almost like remember so much. (laughs) Remember when we did. The Catherine Briot series, and we had a point where, like, we're done now because this is boring as fuck. That's how I felt. 
Yes. Sorry. It's weird. <laughs> high pitched it just happening with my body. That but was a new one. That was a new laugh. It was a, <laughs> it was a new one. Um, just for yeah, y'all. Like, please don't come at me. Like, it was really difficult for me. And also, I knew Mary Beth was going to yell. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to give her that space to yell about it because I think you <laughs> needed you. to. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciated it. Um, so and I tried. Like, I did. I did, in fact, do a big effort to go into this with a very like open mind. Um, and I think that that comes across in this conversation that I tried. And you did. I, I came to the same conclusions, just in a little bit more of an informed way. I actually went into it because I knew people thought it was a very misogynistic movie. But since I didn't remember most of it, I I I feel like I really only remembered the beginning and the fox. Um, <laughs> since I didn't remember anything else about it, I was like, surely it's not that misogynistic, even though I did note this time the fucking stylized T that's the female symbol. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm misinterpreting that. I tried really hard and it was just at a point I had to accept that I was not going to read it a different way. Cause I yeah. did try. Yeah. And that was my experience. So I think I'm allowed to have that for at least one movie. Yeah, I agree. You're allowed. So I'm excited. And this is another thing. I, even though I was super bored with this one, I was very excited to get to the next one. Yeah. Which I I have never seen. You've never seen. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. That'll be exciting. That'll be interesting. So next week, oops hit my microphone um next week we are watching melancholia his 2011 film starring kirsten dunst and this was the one that got him kicked out of Cannes for a long time because he made his weird ass nazi hitler comments um and i i have seen this a long time ago and i remember liking it more than antichrist i think most people did yeah so from what i remember it's also very it's a very very big depression vibes um it's in the name yeah it is um so yeah get ready for that i think it'll be a little bit less angry of a conversation because <laughs> this is just me being very angry did you ever hear his quote that's like film film should be like a stone in your shoe lars von Trier said this. oh i have heard this before i hadn't remembered it until just now i love that quote and i also agree with it hence this fucking podcast and i think that's (laughs) i think he thought that's what he was doing with antichrist and he really didn't for me still as far as we know since i haven't watched this next movie i think dancer in the dark was that stone movie it was like a big rock in in your sandal so i'm excited to see how melancholia goes i want to know more about his experience with depression because i'm like waiting for it to mirror my own (laughs) and right now it doesn't at all did your depression make you a misogynist it didn't i was just gonna say my depression did not make me hate women oh and i'm very happy about that yes neither did mine so good for us well guys that about does it for this week's episode of watch once never again 
Um, thank you for listening. And make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Wona Podcast at W-O-N-A Podcast. And you can send us an email if you have any ideas or thoughts about what we should be covering. You can email us at WonaPodcast at gmail.com. Twitter is probably the better way to do it, but we have an email. Um, you, <laughs> I was just can... laughing because I realized I bought this on Criterion. <laughs> Why? You're the problem. <laughs> I know, I am. I did text Dax last night and said uh, why the fuck is this all the criterion why is this a criterion movie when there's so many others that deserve it but I digress Um, you can also follow (laughs) you can also follow us on Twitter I'm at MB McAndrews I'm at Daxy Bobbin and go give Dax shit for buying Antichrist on Criterion and hating this movie just kidding I don't know if you hate it that's putting words in your mouth but I Thanks probably everyone. won't ever watch it again, so. Hey, look, it fits into the podcast title. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, it. for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.